Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. My first impression from being on campus this weekend, flare jeans are suddenly back in style. I don't know if that's something you guys have noticed. All right! I was hoping... it feels like it feels like the 70s again. I'm like, when did this happen? But- I would say it's a guy who has great character, somebody who's willing to go all out for their brothers and just to be a guy who's out there communicating. So I would just say strong leadership. Here come the Irish. What a run! Touchdown! Play of the year for the Irish. Welcome to the Indie on NBC podcast. I'm your host, Corey Robinson. And first and foremost, I'm sorry. Uh, Notre Dame lost to a one-win Stanford team. And it was not pretty, to say the least. We get into it. Don't worry. We get into it uh, with our guests, Mike Golick and Jessica Smetana of the Golick and Smetty podcast. They kind of break down what they thought. They were there um, doing a live show and kind of brought us into that, that vibe, what the stadium felt like, what they thought about the game. They bring us their expert assessment. We are also... Uh, we also got the chance to speak to Houston Griffith safety about, you know, his post playing days aspirations. He wants to be a sports broadcaster or a coach. Um, and we got to hear about where the team is currently sitting at 500 um, during fall break. There's no one else on campus. It's just ball. It's just football. And we'll see if things they, if they can turn things around heading into a, a pivotal week here against UNLV. So without further ado, here's Mike and Jess. It is my great joy to welcome in two Notre Dame alum to the podcast, Mike Golick and Jess Smetana. Welcome. I mean, I, congratulations first and foremost on the Golick and Smitty podcast presented by DraftKings. Sweet. I know you were on campus doing a live show from O'Rourke. So let's just start with the game. Um, unfortunate loss. But what was your assessment of Notre Dame Stanford being on the ground? Oh, boy, Jess, you want to go first on that one? Uh, well, Mike, Mike and I just recorded our show this week, and I think our assessment was that we might be bad luck charms. So I don't think O'Rourke's or Notre Dame or DraftKings is going to have us back anytime soon because I really didn't even know what I was watching. I mean, uh, Notre Dame fans, I'm sure we felt this way similarly after the Marshall loss at home. And then they played pretty well against, you know, tough opponents on the road and at a neutral site with BYU. And then this happens, and it's like, where did all that – offensive progress go the last couple of weeks and and like what are we watching right now uh, and, and I think what we're watching is is an inconsistent team you know and I think maybe we all got over our skis a little bit with the preseason number five you know that was great I mean obviously preseason rankings we know is kind of just for us now in the media you know to kind of talk about 
And then they played well against Ohio State, even in that loss. So we're like, oh, okay. You know, next thing you know, you're on a backup quarterback. And then things start to come to light. You know, uh, and, and you would know, know this, Corey. At the beginning of the season, we weren't sure who the big wide receiver was going to be. Who was going to be that go-to guy? You knew you had Michael Mayer. Uh, but as Stanford showed and David Shaw, you could find a way to either bracket or cover him underneath and over the top and such. So you got to have others out there. And we're, we're still trying to figure that that out. Um, so it, it's it's interesting. But what, what isn't interesting is the fact that, that fans are starting to get crazy because that's what they do. That's why they're short for fanatics is starting to lose their mind. All of a sudden they know all the plays that should be called and everything. And it, it always gets kind of funny that way. But. What I'll say is is we're inconsistent right now, and we do. I know Marcus has said it. Marcus Freeman has said it. It's a lack of execution. Every coach in the world has talked about execution, and they're just not doing it. We'd call a defensive play, and we'd have someone right there to make the play, and they wouldn't make the play. So that's not on the call. That's on the players. And I have always said this, that I put always put more on the players and the coaches because players can make a bad game plan good, and players can make a good game plan bad. They have to execute. You know what a pass play that where you're the number one uh, choice, Corey, isn't going to work if you can't get off the press, right? And uh, a pass play is not going to work if an old tackle gets, you know, spun around by a defensive end, you know, and vice versa the other way. If I'm a middle linebacker and I'm right there to make a play and I don't, play doesn't work. So you, you do have to execute. Um, but it's never one thing. It's never, oh, it's just this. It's always, it's coaches, it's play calling, it's players, it's execution. We know it. there's a, there's more than a few things you can look at to see why things aren't going well at times. We're, we're sitting at 500 and you mentioned the fans, you know, I, uh, how do you massage, <laughs> how do you massage this message? You're looking at a 500 team. You, you mentioned starting the season off a, a top five. What would be a message if you had to sit down on a therapy session one-on-one with a fan? Uh, what would be your message to that fan? Mine would be patience, you know, and I know that's something fans don't really have because the expectation at Notre Dame is high. We, we get that. Played in a title game in 13, been in a couple playoffs since then. So the expectation is, is going to be up there. So I, I get it. But, you know, you have to break this down and look at what we have and, and how we're playing and realize that we aren't consistent, that we're, that we're coming up short in some areas. So you have to preach patience. The next two classes are both, you know, top three classes. Now, it's not like you're going to expect the freshman next year to come in and a bunch of freshmen and, and change the team. It may take a little bit, but the younger guys now that will that will take over next year that aren't playing now for the guys that are leaving, you hope they can get good reps and they're learning. But that would be the one word I would use is a word that unfortunately fans don't want to hear, And but but it is patience. Yeah, and I think that that's, Oh, go ahead, Corey. No, I was just saying it's interesting because, you know, you look at um, Marcus Freeman, I was wondering how much rope he would get, you know, being because everyone loves him. Like it's like undeniable how everyone loves him. So it is interesting with patience, the beginning of the season to that little win streak and then to where we are now. Uh, but Jess, what, what are your thoughts? What would you tell them? Well, I think that we're in kind of, um, you know, territory that we haven't been in for a while as Notre Dame fans, where we left a period of relative consistency over the past five years and now, have to get used to a change. And and I don't think um, sports fans are able to cope sometimes with expectations that are not uh, delivered on day one. And with college football, like Mike said, one of the reasons Marcus Freeman was hired was because of his ability to recruit to Notre Dame, which is a you know somewhat difficult place to recruit to. 
Um, I'm sure Corey, your experience, you could speak more to that having got, been through it, but that's something that's not going to be in play in your first season. Your certainly your first six games um, as a head coach. But Mike, I did want to say something or you said earlier, you put a, a good player can make a bad game plan good and a bad player can make a good game plan bad. But I, I wonder what you think about the thought process that like maybe if you're you know, starting quarterback or, or one of your players is off on a night and they're not playing well, what are you going to do if you're the coach to maneuver around that? And can you game plan around someone who just isn't maybe performing up to expectations um, like on Saturday night? I mean, you, you certainly can try, you know, it depends on the position, you know, the most important position quarterback, if your quarterback is off and you're not going to a backup, then yeah, you're going to have to make plays that say, okay, here's where we are. Or you just say, listen, you can play bad early on and then all of a sudden play really good. I mean, the game I called last week was Philadelphia and Dallas. Philadelphia smoking them in the first half and Dallas makes a complete turn in the third quarter. So you can turn it around. You can start off playing bad and you can play better. That is where coaches can help by play calls. But they, they, they should be able to do that you know, all the way through, you know, a lot of people getting on Tommy Reese for his play calling and, and what he's doing with the offense, but there's nobody that knows the quarterback and the offense better than the coordinator. So you typically want to call plays that fit those players, especially the quarterback. If they're very athletic and, and can move, you want to get them on the move. You know, you want to you go to their strengths, but then they have to make the play when you put them in position to make the play. Doesn't mean every play call is great. I, I've, I've never met an offensive coordinator who called a perfect game, never met a defensive coordinator who called a perfect game. It doesn't work that way. Same with players. They don't play perfect games. So, but what you want to see is what I said before is consistency and the mistakes that you made. And Corey, again, you know this is, boy, if you say are, are making the same mistakes two and three and four times, that's when you really are starting to get issues of, okay, what are we learning here when we make this mistakes? What are we learning from it, whether it's a physical mistake or a mental mistake? You mentioned the most important position, quarterback. What has been both of your assessments on Drew Pine's performance, stepping in for Tyler Buckner? Well, I, listen, I think Drew Pine has, has struggled at times throwing the ball. I think Drew Pine is a guy who can throw the ball better when the running game works because then you have play action. You know, and I know I know at the beginning of the season they said those guys were close and Buckner got the job, but Pine was was right there. But you're still a backup for a reason, right? You, you didn't beat out the guy who's number one. Um, so, again, whether it's number one or number two, you have to play to their strengths. But we see him miss some passes. Uh, we see him lock in, and, and I get it too. At times, you lock in on Michael Mayer because he's Michael Mayer. Now BYU, I thought the way they defensed him was ridiculous, and we saw eleven catches because he's a great player. And as I said, Dave Shaw, you know, he he played him pretty well. Like I said, he, underneath and over the top had some help. So you got to find other places to go, and the quarterback has to have the ability to get the ball there, and the receivers have to have the ability to get some separation and give their quarterback a target. So it, it all it all works hand in hand. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think Drew has struggled at times throwing the ball. I, listen again, this isn't oh my god, you know, some revelation. I think we can all see that. Yeah, I think I saw a statistic, and I probably should have checked it before we came on that um, against Stanford, he was fifty percent from a clean pocket on completions, which 
you know, it's not great. Like he's had stretches where I think, you know, he's been impressive and he's made big throws and big situations. Um, but then I think he's also had stretches where he's really struggled and, and like, you know, the, the past to Lorenzo styles, I think kind of sticks out from, from this weekend and, and maybe, maybe styles ran the route a little too quickly or couldn't turn his body around fast enough. I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm not, I'm not an expert on analyzing these things, but there's certainly things that you see as a fan and you're like, ah, I feel like that, that throw was right there. And, and he was just a little bit off. So yeah, it's been like Mike said, I think consistency is the word it's been, um, a season where, you know, he didn't know he was going to, he didn't know he was going to start the final or he's going to start any games uh, after Buckner was made the number one guy. So it's probably hard stepping into that role, but then once he does and you do see him get on a roll, it's hard to see a little bit of a regression there. And some of those, you know, big missed plays happen that, that really make the game. It's one of those where if you look at the stats too, I mean, you sit there and look at, he's complete in what almost 67% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. So it looks it looks good when you read the numbers, but when you're watching the game, you just see what I, what I talked about earlier with, with him and with others is some inconsistencies. Yeah, it seems like that is the the highlighted bold word. Uh, now, one of the things I love about this podcast is we we talk about football, yes, but we also talk about Notre Dame. And both of y'all are alums. Um, Mike, you played there. Jess, we went to school together. So I would love to hear uh, <laughs> what is like – when you go back to campus, first of all, do you recognize, do you recognize campus? Like what's, what's the vibe for you? Cause when I go back, I can't recognize anything. Everything's different. Corey, first of all, my first impression from being on campus this weekend, flare jeans are suddenly back in style. I don't know if that's something you guys have noticed. Probably all right. Not, I was hoping. It feels like, it feels like the seventies again. I'm like, when did this happen? But no, to your point, I mean, there's been a ton of new construction on campus that now, now there's an architecture lot that people tailgate in. I was like, I don't know where that is. Um, all of my, my points of reference are all based on tailgate lots, by the way. So that's, you know, which Mike doesn't understand because he slept through the entire tailgate on Saturday, but yeah, things, things look different, but then uh, of course things stay the same. I will say one of the weirdest things was how um, automated certain things are on campus now. And I noticed this on Friday was in the Duncan Student Center, which wasn't around when I was a student. They were still building that, um, which is part of the new like stadium crossroads construction project. And I had to order like breakfast on an iPad. And I, all I wanted was like a kind bar. And I had to like go on an iPad and do all this stuff. Mike's just shaking his head because I'm sure he's been confused by this at points. Yes, and then the I other have. thing that I noticed was when I went to the bookstore, they also had self-checkout on an iPad. And I'm like, when did all of this happen? I've never seen this many um, technological advances on campus before. It is. Listen, you guys, again, could be my kids. You know, and this is kind of what, what Jess and I talk about. On the pot, I she graduated. I think, I think all your kids are older than Corey. They, they, they yeah. are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sid's older than me. Yeah, Jay. yeah. 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 So thanks again for reminding me of that. Uh, so yeah, nineteen. Understand when I first came to Notre Dame was nineteen seventy five when my brother Bob was a freshman and I was about twelve years old. And I don't know if people remember there was actually a road that ran between the the Jack and the stadium. I mean, there were you know street lights there and everything. Eddy Street did not exist. That was just bare field. I mean, so yeah, the changes I have seen over the years have been obviously substantial. Uh, but you know, listen, the core is is the same, obviously. You can still walk end to end of the of the uh the campus in, you know, in 15 minutes, the basilica, the grotto, they're still the main points of interest there and the lakes and such. They just 
obviously keep adding nice things to it. The one thing that blows my mind, me and my wife take our dogs on walks around campus and we'll look at the old dorms and we'll see the new dorms. And this is how we think now as parents for parents that have to spend money on their kids coming to school. We're like, do the kids who live in dorms with no air conditioning have to pay the same amount as somebody that in a dorm with air conditioning? Because if so, it doesn't seem fair. This is what you do when you're almost 60 and you start looking at things. Uh, that's, I think they do, first of all. And second of all, like there's also the dorms maybe that don't have clear water running in them versus yeah. the dorms that have filtered water. But we won't name names. It's, it's funny. I've never once thought about that. I was like, that's a pretty dorm. Or like, I probably wouldn't want to live there. And now I'm going to start thinking, I guess, like every year adds on. I have to start thinking about like cost. Yes. I yes. I mean, imagine if you're in a dorm with no air conditioning and you're seeing guys walk to one of the newest ones, Balmer Hall. They're walking in there. It's like a like a freaking spa compared to what you're staying in, you know, when you're having to open the window and get a fan coming in. And they're like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm paying the same amount for this. Uh, it, it's again. This is what old people do. <laughs> so what, what are like some of the, the one or two key spots that every time you're on campus, you have to go see? Or it could be in South Bend generally. Um, well, we now I have a house here, so I stay here six months out of the year. And we love going on campus, um, certainly the grotto um, for sure. Down, and we take our dogs for walks or bike rides around the lakes. We do that a lot. So we're going around the lakes. I'll fish in the lake uh, occasionally as well. Uh, but those are the, uh, you know, we'll go, we would go to Legends D. Now, that's one of the big differences. What Legends is now, when I was in school and my brother Bob and Greg were in school, was senior bar. And that's where, again, they were very strict. It was just, there was strict 21 or seniors. And my roommate, my senior year, was the manager of senior bar. So let me tell you, things were good. You know, when your roommate's the manager of the bar that you go to, uh, it was awesome. But yeah, that used to be senior bar. Uh, and now, now it's legend. That that's another big difference. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, really, it, it, it'd be the grotto. Uh, the lakes, lakes is probably the biggest thing for me. I I agree with the lakes. I love the lakes, the grotto, the dome. But somehow the bookstore always pulls me in. I'm always good to spend like twenty bucks on a new hat or something if I'm lucky. Sometimes twenty bucks. Where you get the discount? Will catch my eye. <laughs> I know. Actually, I think I bought a, a hat there that was like thirty five dollars this yeah. weekend. Um, and I, Mike, I also bought a pair of socks because I was worried my ankles were going to get cold. Cause that's what happens when you move to Miami and then go back to South Bend for a weekend, everything suddenly feels freezing mm-hmm. again. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of spots on campus. Um, I saw Mike, I saw that Gojo went to South dining hall last weekend. And for a second, I was nostalgic about the dining hall. And then I was like, yeah, no, maybe not. I did as well. I went there with my son, Jake, and his wife, Jenny, um, and Mike was mad that we didn't, I think he was doing a pot <laughs> or something, so he couldn't go. He's like, you couldn't wait? I said, no, we were hungry. And we went in there, and I was all excited to do it. And then when I left, I was like, okay, that was okay. You know, I'll, I'll uh, you know, the, the food, the food was what the food was when I was probably the same food when I was there, when you guys were there. But uh, it was, it was actually kind of pretty fun uh, to go back in there and eat. Yeah, dining hall is a dining hall. Yeah. Uh, to wrap up, the one, one just quick brief one. Um, I know you guys are busy. Uh, what would make you, if you were going to sell Notre Dame to somebody, right? If you're saying this is what Notre Dame is or this is why you should go there, you know, what would you tell them? Um, for me, it's always been kind of the family atmosphere. And that, that's why we have a house here. That's why my kids love coming back here. Um, and a lot of alum come back here. 
the connections here that you have for people that go out into the world uh, and, and have a connection with somebody at Notre Dame. There's always a connection anywhere in the country. It's a national school. It's not a regional school. But to me, it, it is the, the family atmosphere. That, that's the word I always use uh, about Notre Dame. It was a big reason that my brother Bob started, you know, all of us going here in 1975. You know, my parents really loved I think people sometimes get the thought that this is a 40,000, you know, student school when it's not. So it's quaint, it's small, but it's, uh, it's so, so, I mean, so obviously well-known and so tradition-filled. Uh, but for me, it, it's the family atmosphere that you won't, you won't forget the people you go to school with or meet here when you're at Notre Dame. Yeah. And people think that it's a big school because our alumni base and, and the fans of the school, I think, are so loud and are always wearing Notre Dame things wherever they go. But I agree with that. It's it's two things, I think, for me. It's the campus, like the actual physical campus itself and walking on the quads and the beautiful trees and the fall foliage this time of year and all the buildings. Like, I, I really love the place of Notre Dame. Like, it was it's always something that I've you know, I love walking around there and seeing it. But then it's also, like Mike said, the connections you make. And now that I'm, you know, six years out of out of school um, and I maybe I haven't kept in touch with so many people that I thought I would always know forever when I graduated. But I've also made a ton of new friends who graduated 10 or 15 years before I did that. You know, I met through watching games or whatever, through the Internet, through working in media, people like Mike, um, you know, a, a lot older than me. But you have that connection with certain people, like Mike said, around around the country, but also around the world. And I think that's cool. Like Notre Dame people kind of find each other and and you know have each other's backs, I think, and and stick up for each other and advocate for one another. And and then we also, you know, we all can, can commiserate after the team loses and huh. celebrate when the team wins. And that's something that's fun to do too with other people. Commiserating and intergenerational friendships. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and flare jeans, you know, I, I learned a lot. And flare jeans. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mike and Jess. You know, I, I, like I said, new podcast, Goal Against Smetty. Where can we listen to it? Oh, that's a Smetty answer. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, we, the podcast comes out every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. We also have a, a stream on YouTube. Um, you should check it out. We're, we're sponsored by DraftKings, like you said, and it's a, it's a lot of fun to do the show with Mike and, and hopefully we will never be going back to O'Rourke's before a game. Um, and if we do, maybe we need to do something to, to break the curse, Mike. Yeah, I, I agree. We'll, we'll break it somehow. Cause I want to do a show there again. And, uh, <laughs> I, I can never explain how to find a show, Corey. That's why Jess did it. Cause I, I don't know. I turn the microphone on and I talk. <laughs> and he's good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're very good at it. We all have gifts. Thank you so much for jumping on, guys. Go you ahead. Sure. Thank you. And now I am joined by Safety Houston Griffith. You know, Houston, we I just talked to uh, Michael Lick and Jess Matana, and one thing that came up in our conversation was about um, finding consistency. Like the team, you're playing really good against Ohio State, like these top teams, BYU, and then lose against Marshall and Stanford. You know, how do you find um, consistency as a team at this moment in the season, being three and three? I think it just goes back to going back to our training, just going back to the things that, you know, our coaches preach all the time, finding the football, catching the football on offense, um, on defense, making being in proper uh, tackling position and then being able to finish the tackle. And something we've been preaching uh, is just starting to get these turnovers and allowing these turnovers to, you know, come to our side, not just getting these turnovers and letting the other team, the other team's offense, you know, recover the ball. Just going back to the basic things that we've been talking about since January, February, and all of fall camp and just going back to our training. Honestly, that's where the consistency is going to have to start. 
it's so funny you say like going back to the training because you know when you think you're you're, you're playing at this level it's so intense it's so big you know, it's Notre Dame football and it goes back to like the fundamentals you know mentally how do you think about returning to the fundamentals you know as an elite athlete um I really think it's just leaning on my brothers like my teammates you know I, you we go through so much as college athletes uh mentally physically and all those things but we're all going through the same things and we're all going through these practices and going through these workouts all together so just relying on these guys you know is something that's going help me just be in a better position and just help me with uh, just being mental as well, I feel like, yeah. You have a lot of experience, Houston. I, I want to know, when, when you think about each season, you know, your progress, can you walk me through from, from a young buck, freshman in Houston, to, to now, uh, your growth as an individual and as a player? I feel like as a, as a freshman, you know, uh, my whole goal, I had all these, these goals. And then as, as time has gone on, I just realized, like, how to make these goals attainable. It wasn't always just write down, all right, we're going to win a national championship. It's, all right, how, how are we going to take these steps to win a national championship? And those are things I've had conversations with former players. Like, uh, when I was a freshman, Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman were guys that, you know, I really relied on um, just to get me, like, in the right mindset. Because, you know, being a freshman, you hit that freshman wall. You're like, why are these practices so long? All that stuff. So, you know, just having those guys around you to, you know, develop you. And then I feel like now, my last year at Notre Dame, I've seen so much, played in a lot of games, played in a lot of the big games. So at this point, it's just, you know, going back to my train, like I said before, and just, you know, relying on everything that we do during the week and allowing that to showcase on Saturdays. Have you become like an Alohi Gilman or, or Jalen Elliott to these young freshmen? Like who is your who is your freshman that you kind of mentored? Um, honestly, all of all the freshmen, all the new guys. I mean, I've been there, you know, you feel like you don't have – I early enroll, so you usually you come in, guys have their cliques already, their friend groups, all those th- sorts of things, and you just feel like you're on your own. But for me, I've, I've been trying to be that guy that, you know, allows some of these freshmen to come over to my house during the week or if they don't understand why Coach Bayless is screaming at them for not running through the line, like explain it in those types of things. Just the small things that just make guys feel comfortable because at the end of the day, once, you know, guys like myself leave this program, you know, it's in their hands to carry the tradition on of being a Notre Dame football player. How would you describe, you know, that's a big job, like being like the standard bearer for Notre Dame tradition. How would you put that into words, like what Notre Dame tradition is? Notre Dame tradition. I would say it's a guy who's has great character, somebody who's willing to go all out for their brothers and be a guy who's out there communicating so I would just say strong leadership honestly and that's something I feel like is developed from your freshman year all the way to your senior year like I feel like it was positions you get put in like coach Bayless uh, strength coach here we have SWAT team so these accountability teams that you're mixed up with freshmen sophomore junior senior fifth year guys and we all just have to gel together because at the end of the day at the end of the week somebody has to win the week so like we have 10 I believe 10 teams right now and two captains per team. So it's just all about, you know, competing in the offseason and then during during the season. So it's just little things like that that um, I feel like have helped us. Yeah. And currently you said, you know, you're in your final year. And there was I think your story is so fascinating of being like an early enrollee because I, I, too, was an early enrollee. And we can just take a quick moment there. That's a, a like a jarring experience, like just right, right, coming in the middle of January. And I want to get there for, for a second. But you also had an interesting experience, too. Um, you entered into the transfer portal, decided to come back to Notre Dame. Uh, why that decision? 
um, to go into the transfer portal or to come back? Yeah, both to go in the transfer portal and then come back. Uh, I entered the transfer portal, but I just felt like it was an opportunity that I felt like I wanted to explore. Um, was in the transfer portal for a, a couple of weeks, talked to coaches Georgia, Oklahoma, schools like that, and then I got in contact with Marcus Freeman. And I just remember those days talking to him, and and those things wouldn't even be just about football. It would just be about like the the character uh, things he's heard from like coaches on the staff or people on the team, just small things about myself. And then we started to you know talk about football, how I would fit in his defense. And the more and more I talked to him, and I felt like I talked to Coach Freeman like every day that last January, just talked to him every day. And we got I got a good feel for him. He got a good feel for me. And shoot, I decided like the best thing for me to do and the best. I'm thinking for my future was to come back and finish this thing off. And I just remember being in the transfer portal and my dad just telling me, like, you know, as as a person, as as Griffith boys is what we say, like as a Griffith man, like you always you finish what you start. So my goal was to graduate from Notre Dame in three and a half years. And I did that. And, you know, the last thing was to do is to finish playing football at Notre Dame. And once I made that decision to come back, you know, there was no looking back and all the guys when I got back here, you know, I was I didn't know how things were going to be because this is like a guy who's leaving, who decided to leave. So it's like, OK, are they going to think like I'm quitting on them or something? But no, that wasn't the case. Like all the guys were all happy that I was back and shoot, I put it to bed. I put it to rest. Like I, I didn't want to talk about the transfer portal anymore. And I just wanted to talk about my experience of being a Notre Dame football player my senior year at Notre Dame and the 2021 season. And that's all I wanted it to be about after I made that decision to come back to Notre Dame. And we're happy to have you. And that, that conversation you had with Coach Freeman, it seems as though, like, you know, he's he's kind of like, I haven't met one person who doesn't like him. So I guess, like, being around him every day, you know, what is he like as a head coach? Because he, he seems so, I don't know, magnetic. Like, what, what is he like actually being around him every day as, as playing for him? Um, I think he's just a coach that you really want to play for. Um, like, it was perfect for me. Like once I came out of the transfer portal, like guys were like, like, why, why'd you come back? All that stuff. I, and I said, like, I came back because of coach Freeman. Like he played a very big role in me coming back, but I would just describe him as a coach that, you know, he wants to get all out of his players every practice. Like it doesn't matter if it's a Thursday practice and we're just going to be, you know, going just a little light, not, not thudding up or nothing like that. Like he wants to make sure we're on the details and things like that. So he preaches the details, like running through the line, all things like that. And then I also just think like he's a he's very family oriented. So he's made this thing like a family and he started to understand the culture and the tradition that's at Notre Dame. And it's just been great to see. And I love playing for him. And I can't wait to just, you know, finish out the season on the right note and just go out with a bang with Coach Freeman and the rest of his staff and the rest of his team. The rest of the staff, I want to mention Al Golden, you know, an NFL guy coming straight from like the Super Bowl, which I mean, that story is crazy. Coming straight from like the Super Bowl to, to, right. to Notre Dame. What have you learned from him? From Coach Golden, I just learned like just being on the details every day. Like you can't take anything off. And he's always told us like, you know, everybody's going to give you your best effort. And we've seen that from this season. Like teams like Marshall, Stanford, they're going to give you their best effort every game. And but I do remember when like he came from the Super Bowl was here like a week after he got back. And then in the summertime, he was just telling us about like once he got his AFC championship ring, like what it meant. And then what could we do? Like, how can we be the ones that can go be the ones that are immortalized in this program? We have all the banners hung up in the indoor here. Like, how can we be the ones that take that next step as a 2022 team? And like it, it, it didn't happen right away for us, but that's understandable. But the one thing we have to do, and he said it today, is just keep on pushing. 
Like at the end of the day, we got to keep on pushing and going back to the details. And that's why I said, going back to our training, like everything we've done from spring ball to fall camp to end season, the, it all reflects on Saturdays. So we just can't lose sight of the details. Like I keep on talking about the details, but that's really what's emphasized in this program. And you just being on your P's and Q's every day. So Coach Golden is a guy that you learn a lot from. We watch a lot of NFL tape to see some of the best guys in the world play this game. But then we also talk about how we can, you know, make ourselves better from practice. And then, you know, like I said before, showcasing that on Saturdays. And you're coming off of a season high six tackles Stanford, you know, coming up is UNLV. I, I want to ask about, because this is the Indian MC podcast. So we don't only talk about football. We talk about Notre Dame life generally. Uh, it's fall break. So can you kind of paint a picture for us? Like, what is it like practicing? Is, no one's No one's there, right? Right. Literally, so like it's 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 raining in South Bend. Nobody's here. It's just the football team. Like, I mean, the coach Coach Freeman's done a good job. Um, today was our first day back, getting us you know enough time to like get rest and all that stuff. But we just been going at it since. So, I mean, after this, like we just gonna watch film, you know, study up on UNLV, and then watch some NBA basketball. But outside of that, like, I mean, there's no schoolwork. So it's really just grinding early in the day and just you know having that grind outside the facility and then having some downtime um, to myself. So, you know, fall, fall break, it's, it's a great time. It's just ball out here. And, uh, you know, I'm a big NBA fan. So who's your team before, before we go on? My team, I'm like, I'll, see, since my dad played uh, for the Denver Broncos, spent a lot of time in Denver, I've always been like a mellow fan. So, like, I still rock with the Denver Nuggets. So right now I'm rocking with, you know, the, the undisputed MVP right now, I would say. <laughs> That's a pretty good way to put it. Uh, Jokic yeah. is the man. Uh, so, and I, I'm so the, the last piece before we wrap this up and do a quick lightning round, which is always fun, just quick kind of things. Uh, you're, you've kind of hit the whole gambit, like an early enrollee to like we talked about playing this game at Notre Dame, and, and now as you know, a grad student, fifth year student, you graduated last year. Um, tell me, what is the difference being on campus this year? Uh, having graduated, how does, how does that work from a day to day, the campus life? Um, for myself, I've just noticed I have to carry myself a little bit differently. You know, my schedule isn't so like jam packed with classes. So what am I going to do during that, those like open space times um, to have a, a, a productive day? So like for me, it's been, you know, hitting up the coaches for some more free, some more meeting time. So maybe watching like a cut up with coach O'Leary or coach Golden or just getting in the facility and getting in with the coaching, with the strength staff or with the, uh, the training staff and just getting working on my, uh, my mobility or things like that. So that's something that's been an adjustment, but outside of that, like I have classes I got to go to. So things, things have been good this year. I mean, I don't really have to worry about too much academically. I got three classes. So right now things have just been good and I'm just trying to find a way to manage everything on a solid note. What's your favorite class that you're taking right now? My favorite class is sports management with uh, Chris Stevens. Oh yeah, Chris Stevens, legendary professor. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's um, you. you uh, I remember talking to you um, last year during one of the the meetings, and you said you wanted to go into sports broadcasting. At that time, you know, a lot can happen in a, in a year. Is that still your ambition post playing? Do you still want to do sports broadcasting? Yeah, um, just being around like my dad, he's in sports broadcasting right now, so. so. I've always seen what it's like being an analyst and those type of guys getting there, but I'm definitely interested in sports broadcasting. My family and some of the guys say I talk so much that I could do sports and talk about sports all the time. So that's something I'm interested in. And then I'm not, I'm interested in coaching as well. I've been around like 
Coach Reese and Coach Golden and joked around with those guys. And but like I'm I'm really open to it at the end of the day after football is over. Yeah, I mean there's good good people to be around, good people to learn from. Uh so now yes. lightning round. Um so th- this just I'm mean, gonna throw a prompt at you and just come back with the, with the first thing that comes to your mind, you know, quick answers. Um so you ready? Uh pre-game and post-game meal. Pre-game and post-game meal. All right, pre-game meal, I'm going to go with some steak, mashed potatoes, and shrimp. That's what we've been wow. doing lately, and, and it's been solid. I've been enjoying that. Post-game meal, it honestly just depends on what we get. I mean, really, it's been Chick-fil-A, and, you know, you can't go wrong with Chick-fil-A. So, that's – I don't really have a decision on post-game meal. <laughs> first sporting event you ever attended. Say that again? The first sporting event you ever attended. Denver Broncos AFC Championship in 2005. That was the first one. Yeah, like I've been sporting events forever. Like, wow! I mean, the, the AFC Championship—that's pretty amazing. Okay, the last show you watched? The last show I watched, The Watcher on Netflix. New show on Netflix. Is it good? Yeah. So far, I'm only at one episode in, but so far it's so good. Okay. Uh, favorite spot on campus? The Grotto. And then your favorite Notre Dame tradition? The walk, the game day walk. You know, and it never gets better than just seeing all the fans out there ready to support us and go have a good game at Notre Dame Stadium. And they'll be back there uh, this weekend for UNLV. Thank you so much, Houston, for taking the time to talk to us, and best of luck to you and the team. All right, no problem. Thanks, Corey. Make NBC Sports Predictor a pregame ritual every week. Play Irish Pick'em for free and have a chance to win $10,000 each week. Rush the end zone and download NBC Sports Predictor app today on the App Store and Google Play Store. Thank you, Houston. And I'm brought back to the conversation with Mike and Jess for just a brief moment. You know, I asked them, well, what would you tell someone if this was like a one-on-one therapy session? Well, what would I tell you if this was you and me and I was the therapist? I would say this week, if you're on campus, please, for all of us, for me especially, Go to the grotto, light a candle, and say a prayer. Um, we're going to be back next week uh, with reaction to the matchup versus UNLV. So this is a, this is an important weekend. If you want to watch the game, it's exclusively on Peacock. So get Peacock. Uh, and we're going to preview Notre Dame's next game, uh, where they go on the road to take on Syracuse. So be sure to download and subscribe to the Notre Dame on NBC podcast on the NBC Sports YouTube channel and wherever you get your audio podcasts. Go Irish. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.